0: Hey everyone, Anna Scott here with a short bonus episode. At the end of this week, the results of LA's annual homeless count are expected to be released. One thing I can say for sure is it will show that tens of thousands of people are still living on sidewalks, in cars, and in shelters throughout the county. And in the years ahead, the situation could get way worse because of the pandemic we're in. So I recently gave a call to a couple of my journalism colleagues who are really steeped in local and state policies around housing and homelessness. I wanted to talk big picture about some of the new things that leaders are doing around these issues. And now. I'm here to share some of that conversation with you. Liam Dillon covers housing affordability and neighborhood change in California for the Los Angeles Times. Matt Levin is the housing and data reporter for Cal Matters. And together they host the Gimme Shelter podcast, which is all about California's housing crisis. I listen to it all the time. We started with some very dire predictions that have come out recently on homelessness in L.A. County. One study from UCLA predicts that more than 30,000 households could become homeless as a result of COVID-19. And in a recent story, Liam looked at another study from the same university that drilled down on which specific neighborhoods might be hardest hit. I started by asking him about that.
1: Yeah, so there was another study as you referenced from UCLA that found that tenants that are living in Los Angeles neighborhoods like MacArthur Park, Pico Union, Harvard Heights are among the most vulnerable in the county to facing problems paying their rent due to the pandemic. And that's due to a few things. Um, They're in industries like the service sector and entertainment, which have been really hard hit by coronavirus-related problems. And also, too, a number of folks in those communities have lower rates of having English as their first language. And as a result, it makes it more difficult for people in those neighborhoods to even be aware of some of the programs that are being offered to prevent evictions and prevent homelessness.
0: Mm. And this, of course, isn't a concern that's just unique to L.A., right? And maybe, Matt, you can jump in here. There are concerns around California about vulnerable renters being pushed even more than they already are into homelessness.
2: Yeah, that's right. And if you look at the data statewide, you see kind of intuitively an uptick in evictions after every major recession we had, especially after the Great Recession 2008-2009 statewide, you saw a pretty significant increase in evictions. I, I think the question for the state is, what are they going to do about it? Notably, Newsom has not come out with a proposal on renter and landlord assistance either as part of his budget or as part of several kind of executive actions that he's taken during the pandemic. There's some proposals going around in the state legislature, but they're kind of short of specifics in terms of how exactly they're going to deal with what appears to be a looming wave of evictions.
0: Yeah. And is there any way to quantify or know for sure either locally or statewide, how many people are behind on rent or or behind on their mortgages at this point?
1: You know, there's been a lot of data out there. And it, and on part, it's unclear how good it is, right? Because, you know, there's some efforts by the National Multifamily Housing Council, which is a landlord group uh, out of D.C. that examines about a quarter of the rental market. But those properties tend to skew that they examine higher end. And so the numbers there that they've been that they've had um, aren't as bad as maybe some might have expected. That that could be because they're only looking at some higher end of, uh, apartments. I think also you know this expanded unemployment insurance, which gives people mm-hmm. an extra six hundred dollars a week that came out as part of the stimulus package that was the federal government passed, is you know allowing for some even in fact make more. Um, in unemployment than they were making in their jobs, certainly allowing you to think to help stabilize them uh, and stabilize their rent. That expanded unemployment insurance is scheduled to end at the end of July. It certainly doesn't look like the economy is going to be back in full swing by then. Uh And as a result, and certainly not at the end of the, the, the pandemic, right? Uh, and as yeah. a result, you know, that could, you know, send this sort of, situation kind of spiraling the longer as it goes on.
0: Yeah. And speaking of things that are going to end, there's been a pause on evictions for not paying rent statewide. And there's a similar freeze that applies to Los Angeles. How would you guys explain, kind of just break this down for, say, the person who has been laid off, isn't paying rent, isn't making up that income, and is scared of when they might have to and potentially losing housing at that point?
2: So there is nothing the state has done to allow that person to skip their rent payments or to not be evicted once some of these moratoriums are lifted and once kind of the state court system starts um, resuming activities. There's nothing the state has done to prevent if you missed your April rent payment, if you missed your May rent payment, if you missed your June rent payment. You're still on the hook and your landlord can evict you. Now, that may vary from city to city, including in L.A., but statewide, there, there hasn't been any action on that. And that's what tenant groups here in the Capitol, probably more than anything else, are lobbying for is taking that off the table. If you haven't been able to pay your rent because of the pandemic, they argue your landlord shouldn't be able to evict you.
1: But I think that the theme of not just the renter protection efforts, but also the protection efforts that are geared towards homeowners and towards landlords is they're really haphazard. And a lot of them rely on, even though there are some rules that have been passed at the local level, at the state level, at the federal level, they're kind of hard to understand. They don't really apply, you know, super broadly or universally. And as a result, there's a lot of sort of negotiation that is kind of having to happen or have to go on. Between you know, individual homeowners, individual renters, and their mortgage holders, or, and their and their landlords. A- as a result, it's also tough because of this haphazard and uh, unclear rules. It's tough to unfor- enforce them too. So you're really dealing a lot with a kind of ad hoc kind of situation that makes it hard to get clear guidelines, clear rules, and clear relief. For really everybody across the board.
0: Yeah. What about this new rent relief fund that's that's been proposed here in LA? What do we know about how that would work and how much relief it might provide, who might get it?
1: So this is an effort uh, sponsored by City Council President Henry Martinez. Uh, Mayor Eric Garcetti also supports it. And it's $100 million, which sounds like a lot. And in, in a way, it is. I mean, you know, a decent amount of money to give folks who are low income. And, and the definition for that is Say a family of four in L.A. would need to make $90,000 or less. So that's 80% of what the median income is in the area in order to qualify. So the problem, though, is that the way you slice it really depends on how many people or how many families are going to be able to take advantage of it. So, for instance, there are one kind of estimate. If the $100 million were allocated according to a formula where the city would cover up to half of tenants rent for three months with a maximum grant of $3,000 under that formula— about seventy thousand LA households could receive two months of subsidy if the rent were about thirteen fifty a month. But you can see how those numbers change really quickly. So if we're giving three months of subsidy for families that's rent for two two thousand dollars a month, then only thirty three thousand you know families would be able to access it. And so you know the more generous, of course, the benefit is. Fewer people are would be able to take advantage, and the need, you know, as we've discussed, you know, certainly region wide could be nearing, you know, a million families, right? Um, mm. And so, you know, it's really hard again to to calibrate the potential need with the potential assistance that's being offered.
0: Well, there are so many things that we could get into here, of course, but I want to ask you guys just about one more effort that's going on and what the long term prognosis is for that, and that's Project Room Key. This is the. Effort going on around California to get 15,000 people experiencing homelessness into hotel and motel rooms to protect them from COVID. Actually, this is how Christine, the subject of my podcast, ended up where she is now, which is a hotel room in Koreatown. So far, it hasn't reached the 15,000 goal. And there are also a lot of questions about where all the people who are getting inside are going to go next and what could be done to prevent them from falling back into homelessness. Matt, where are we at with that?
2: Yes. Yeah, so the goal was leasing 15,000 rooms and putting people who are homeless in those motel rooms. And the state says it has leased those rooms, about 9,000 of which are occupied. Newsom is now doubling down on this. So the, the goal now is to buy up these properties. That's what he's put forward in a state budget proposal and state lawmakers seem to be on board. to literally buy that Motel 6 that right now has some people who are homeless in it and turn it into supportive housing. So this is the new strategy that the administration is doubling down on to try to solve California's long-term homelessness woes. It's something the state has never really done before, or any state has never really done before. They have six months to spend this federal money to buy up as many motels as they can. We'll see how it Mm -hmm. works out. It is it is an unprecedented effort. And typically it takes a really long time to buy and renovate motels to make them appropriate for more permanent housing situations.
0: And if they don't use the money within a lot of time, it it goes away, right?
2: Yeah. The feds get it back after six months. One of the key questions here is how cities will react to this. Already with Project Roomkey, just in terms of temporary emergency housing for the homeless, you saw multiple cities, including several in Southern California, oppose hotels that were willing to have homeless people inside them during the pandemic. When you're buying hotels for more permanent usage, you're going to run up against that same type of opposition.
0: Well, thank you guys so much for taking the time to do this. I really appreciate it. Take care.
2: Thank you, Anna. Thanks, Anna. KCRW's car donation program is sponsored by local Kia dealers, presenting the all electric Kia EV6 with AR windshield head up display
1: and capable of going zero to sixty in four point six seconds. More info at Kia.com.